What's Up in Boone? A weekly trek down the streets of one of North Carolina's premier mountain communities. Presented by the Town of Boone Cultural Resources Department. Lord, I'm sitting on top of the world. Here's your host, David Jackson. Hello again, everybody. Welcome into another installment of What's Up in Boone. I'm David Jackson. Thank you, as always, for downloading this podcast, listening to our program each week. The high country now fully immersed in winter tourism and the holiday shopping season. Excellent crowd turned out for the Downtown Boone Christmas Parade last weekend. The first Friday art crawl last Friday night. Just an excellent time. Very seasonal weather. Got everybody in the mood for some holiday shopping. And we thank those of you that were able to attend last weekend and hope that you are making plans to visit the high country again. Maybe take advantage of some of the sales in our local merchants before you uh, get your holiday shopping list complete. So those of you that were in town last week, got a chance to see a very different look to the King Street landscape, and that is due to the new marquee that is up at the old Appalachian Theater. Of course, that uh, building in the midst of a a multi-million dollar renovation to bring it back to a vaudeville theater-type venue uh, with a lot of the historical trappings that made it such a successful venue and such an iconic venue uh, for decades and decades, uh, but also bringing that along with modernization and making it a, a true venue that can be utilized in a variety of ways for a variety of uh, different acts and shows to come. So with all of that said, the theater project uh, has kind of been done in several phases. And the first phase of this was to have the front facade redone on the uh, entire uh, exterior of the structure. So uh, everybody noticed a a really nice glass uh, facing to the building and then the marquee. Uh, it touched up in the in the vintage way that it looked, uh, complete with the color scheming, the neon lighting, the rolling lights, everything that was placed uh, over the past couple of weeks and was illuminated for the first time during the first Friday art crawl last Friday night really popped in the downtown uh, landscape. Uh, You could see the sign from one end of King Street to the other. Uh, It just really brought some visual attention to what is uh, a great revitalization project downtown. The sign was again illuminated for the uh, Christmas parade on Saturday, again drawing a lot of attention to the effort uh, of the Save the App Theater group. And uh, it kind of gets us to the point where we do a little bit of catch up. One of the very first episodes of our podcast, we got a chance to talk to campaign chair John Cooper. And uh, uh, Mr. Cooper, uh, a longtime uh, philanthropist, businessman, just all around good guy here in the Boone community. And he has been uh, working along with the team to spearhead the fundraising to save the App Theater. So with the marquee now up and the front facade complete, we asked John simply what was next with the theater project, what we can expect to see in times to come. Well, it's it's been a long process, but we, you know, everything was done right. Uh, Vincent, VPC uh, Builders, has done a great job with it. Uh, it's just beautiful, stunning facade, and uh, we're excited we were able to light it for the first Friday. Uh, we weren't sure we were going to, but it's uh, it's been uh, just, we pushed to get it there. And uh, it'll be lit for the parade, uh, or actually, what? Yeah, yeah, you're fine. 
but. will be lit for the parade and uh, it's just stunning so we're we're excited about it the next event that we'll have will be the uh, first night which is New Year's Eve we'll have it lit from five to seven and we'll plan a grand illumination for next summer but uh, it's all come together and we're working to move towards the next phase of the project. Uh, we still need to raise money. Uh, we are accepting donations of any size. This is a good time to give gifts in honor of somebody uh, and we would appreciate gifts, uh, donations to the theater. It will be, this will be the community's theater. And uh, we will acknowledge both to the person that is being honored as well as a tax receipt for those donating money. So we're really excited about that. And uh, they, those can be received at P.O. Box 11, Downtown Station, DTS, Boone, North Carolina, 28607. Um, you've undoubtedly had the opportunity to receive feedback from people who remember the theater in its original condition and now have seen this uh, refurbished version. What has that conversation been like? Oh, it's been incredible. Last night I ran into a lady I knew, and she said her husband had graduated in the 60s from ASU. And as it was the process was happening, he said, why are they covering up the brick? And then when he saw the finished facade, um, she said he was in tears. It just brought back memories. She said that's exactly what it looked like. He had forgotten that it was so stunning, so beautiful. Uh, it's truly a magnificent facade. It is reproduction what was done by the architect uh, Clarence Coffey, who worked for Frank Lloyd Wright. So we've got a lot of history uh, in this theater, and we're bringing it back to life. Uh, there are opportunities uh, to be had with just the, the sheer visual of this, uh, kind of spurring more interest in it. How do you plan to take advantage of people that see it, that want to know more about it, that, that hopefully can get involved that way? Well, you know, people now that see such a beautiful facade, it kind of is uh, emblematic of what will happen on the interior. It's going to be a beautiful theater inside and out. It will serve the community, not just, and somebody today just said, so you're going to show movies in there? I said, yeah, but we're going to have a performing arts stage for theater, dance, music, music festivals. Any and all types of venues can happen in that theater. It's a beautiful place. If you would like more information on this project, check out SaveTheAppTheater.com. You can donate to the fundraising cause, learn some theater history, uh, get some details on the different phases of the construction process, and see just how this particular um, revitalization will help in uh, bringing more traffic down to the downtown Boone area, certainly highlighting a lot of the businesses and restaurants and shops that are already in uh, that area. So uh, great to see the App Theater uh, continuing along with their renovations. Speaking of continuing along, ski season is about to continue along. A brief hiatus after uh, opening just before Thanksgiving, uh, some of the warmer weather and rain uh, it came through the area. The rain was very, very helpful. It helped fill up all of the retention ponds and uh, reservoirs at the area ski resorts from about mid-Thursday afternoon, uh, maybe throughout a significant portion of the weekend. Those resorts will be able to make snow in great abundance due to an Arctic blast to the 
coldest air of the year coming through the high country starting uh, Thursday morning. And uh, that will mean excellent snowmaking weather uh, for the area ski resorts that expect all to be open over the weekend and rolling great guns. No pun intended, of course, uh, snowmaking pun there, uh, but uh, rolling along toward having a vibrant Christmas week. And uh, that is, of course, one of the busiest times for the area ski resorts and all of the ancillary businesses that are able to take advantage of that. So we're happy to see much, much, much colder weather at this time of 2016 than what we saw in the area a year ago. So the ski resort's up and running. You can check your favorite ski resort's website to see operating hours. Again, everybody kind of coming back online this weekend. Cold weather should be around snowmaking weather for a good part of next week, so they'll be able to uh, continue to update and uh, and make uh, more snow on their bases and on slopes and uh, keep things rolling along well toward Christmas week. Speaking of Christmas, that's obviously a big business uh, in the high country area. The Christmas tree choose and cut phenomenon has been uh, not only a great economic boost to the entire area, it has been a very popular attraction this year uh, in in what seems to be more abundance than what we've seen in years past. Trees on top of cars heading down the mountain, wholesale sales uh, very uh, solid once again for the uh, North Carolina tree growers and uh, all that are involved in the Christmas tree business. So we thought because of the natural tide of the area and and this time of year, lots of you that listen to this podcast uh, have come up for Choose and Cut. If you haven't done it this year, you've probably done it in years past. Or you may be listening to this in a community that has Christmas tree lots that are fed by North Carolina Christmas trees. We certainly hope that is the case. Christmas tree growing is a big business. It's actually a relatively new business to the high country when you think about the grand scheme of agriculture in and around Watauga County. So we had the opportunity this week to talk with Watauga County's Extension Director, Jim Hamilton, about the Christmas tree business, how it's evolved, how it uh, kind of supports itself, how tourism has played a big part in revitalizing the Christmas tree business here in the high country, and just uh, some Christmas tree economics, something you might find quite fascinating, again, as we visit with Jim Hamilton of the Watauga County Extension Office. It's sort of difficult to get a, a complete grasp on on those numbers because uh, you know n- number one uh, it's a cash agricultural industry so sometimes uh, gleaning those numbers from from producers can be uh, interesting but um, overall we tried to estimate a few years back you know um, how many trees uh, get sold during choose and cut season. Um, and then tie a, a value to uh, a per tree value to the other economic impact. So, say if a family of a family of four comes to Boone uh, to get a tree, a couple wreaths, um, eat at a restaurant, fill up the tank, do some shopping. I think we estimated, you know, um, a tree plus other expensive conservatively would work out to something like one hundred twenty dollars or more, one hundred fifty dollars per per family. Add in a hotel room, and, and it's even more. So. Uh, like I said, a few a few years back, we ran some calculations on on roughly what fifteen thousand trees sold, uh, trans, you know, translated to total you know, economic benefit to the county. And it's roughly about fifteen million. Oh, I'm sorry, five million. So we're looking at mainly, uh, you know, somewhere between, you know, conservatively, you know, a five to seven million immediate economic impact uh, to the county uh, via via hotel room shopping. Uh, 
the trees, the wreaths, and, and basically the money spent in the county from, from the visitors coming up to the high country. Uh, the export crops here in Watauga County have evolved over time. Uh, as, as the tree industry really started to become what it is now, what, what was it about this area and the farmers in this area that saw the opportunity to make this their signature thing? So the Christmas tree industry in, in, in Western North Carolina really kicked off about uh, in, the, in the 1950s. Um, you had uh, some entrepreneurial producers, um, you know, not just from this county, but in neighboring uh, Avery, that would go up to, to Roan Mountain and pull wild seedlings. That was when wild seedlings started being planted into uh, crop fields that had been in uh, potatoes or cabbage or, or some other crop. Um, so these first kind of entrepreneurial guys decided to, to set out trees, see how they did. Uh, you know, five to seven years later, the crop came in and they did very well with it and it, and it just expanded since. So, uh, you know, particularly in, in Watauga County, we have a, a sort of an advantage over some of the other ones where because not only do we have, um, you know, good roads and good access, but we also have a lot of the tourism amenities that make Choose and Cut, you know, um, um, a really great prospect for for tourists who want to come up and you know they want to spend spend a weekend in the mountains get the tree have their family experience and the farms kind of evolved to fit what the you know what the the, the tourist crowd or the families were really interested in uh, farmers began putting in uh, you know hay rides and 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 converting an old barn into a christmas shop where they'd sell wreaths and have a few of their you know miniature donkeys and animals to create you know somewhat little petting zoos so um, like over the year, the, 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 the whole industry has, has really evolved since the 50s, and Choose and Cut probably took off, I would say, sometime in the, uh, in the early to mid-90s when it really became formally organized and when the Watauga Christmas Tree Association recognized that, you know, this is a, this is a real event, and uh, um, the uh, tourism development boards and the, and the chamber and other, other folks started to realize some of those collateral, you know, positive impacts that it was having in the community. And certainly there is the, the choosing cut element, but another big part of the economic piece for farmers is the fact that they send trees off the mountain, it seems like, uh, starting in late October, early November. But truck after truck uh, kind of precedes car after car. Exactly. Uh, how much of, a, of the, the economic driver is that for them to, to get into the wholesale business and supply all of the farms that probably got people thinking about choosing cut to begin with as they grew up, remember what that tree experience was like and want to take it a little bit more organic? Sure. Yeah. No. The the farm size. You know, Watauga t- typically ranks around fifth in in our state in North Carolina for for Christmas trees, and that's wholesale, uh, wholesale and retail on the farm choosing cut. Um, the the harvest starts uh, around the last uh, last week of October. I know this year we had some trees going to the Caymans. We have trees going to New York, to Texas, to Florida. I mean, pr- pretty much. Um, uh, most of the states um, east of the Mississippi and, and a few beyond, and then a couple of uh, a couple of countries. You know, get, um, getting trees you know into the Caymans uh, and, and into into international markets is a little trickier with some of the you know phytosanitary issues that you have to deal with in in, in transporting you know crops overseas. But uh, but yeah, it's um, you know I've, we're we're known in what most people see you know when most people see the trees going. Um, Going through town with uh, you know cars with trees on 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 top, uh, you know that's a that's a small share of of the actual market. I'd say that choose and cut only makes up probably fifteen percent of the of the total value of trees. Um, you know Christmas trees still maintains uh, kind of the the lead in in the agricultural product uh, 
the top agricultural product of our county, uh, followed closely behind by cattle. When uh, you see the, the opportunity to get um, trees in some of these markets that you're talking about, and uh, I know that a lot of that uh, transport time varies, how do you maintain the health and integrity of a tree when you're making a trip to the Caymans with it? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, the Caymans is its own tricky uh, tricky scenario. You know, they put them on a, a reefer, reefer container trucks and they're shipped. You know, they are shipped cool. Um, you know, the bigger issue that, that some of the growers have here is really educating their wholesale clientele on, on post-harvest care of their trees. You know, you put a Fraser fir that's been in 30-degree uh, weather here, in, here outside of Boone onto a uh, you know, Home Depot parking lot in, uh, in Sarasota, Florida, uh, you're gonna get you're gonna get some issues. So you know we really try, and that's what you know the cooperative extension office's role, is, part of its role is too, is is educating you know consumers and the you know the wholesale wholesalers on best practices for keeping that tree fresh. Because you know it hurts the industry if if someone goes and grabs a tree that hadn't been taken care of since harvest, and they get it home and the, and and the needles fall off, or 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 it dries up way quicker than it should, or it or it looks burned on one side because it's been out in the sun. So um, you know the growers here from when when they when they harvest a tree it's it's harvested, um, it's baled and then it's brought to a, a loading yard where it's kept uh, kept in the shade. There's tarps and other and other things to keep the sun off of it. Um, when it's uh, especially warm or dry like it was this fall, I mean they'll they'll sprinkle uh, you know set up sprinklers or actually water the trees down to keep them good and moist so that they are in good shape. You know they're in good shape when they leave the mountain. Now what happens when they get on a retail lot somewhere is really up to the wholesaler who's trying to move them. All right, so whether people bought their trees here, maybe bought a tree that came from here or what have you, they're, they're riding around listening to this thinking, how can I take care of my tree during uh, my post-harvest experience? So uh, what are some of the, the easy tips that you offer people uh, as they, they cut or pick up how to maintain that tree throughout the course of the holidays? Okay, the, 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 the best solution and I've heard, there's, there's all kinds of uh, urban myths and legends on, on what to add to the water in the tree. Oh, you drop aspirin in there, put a little sugar. <laughs> you know, add a, add a drop of this. or drop. It really just needs cool water. And what you should do when you pick up your tree from, from the farm or from a, from a retail market, just cut a little, you know, a half-inch disc off of the bottom of the tree, off of that trunk, and put it in fresh, cool water and keep, and keep water in it. That will keep a Fraser fir, you know, fresh through the, through the holidays. Um, Fraser fir has uh, one of the, one of the uh, most outstanding needle retention rates of all of the, all of the tree species cut for, for Christmas trees. So it's going to hold its needles, but to, but to keep it hold, you know, to keep it fresh and to keep it held for the longest period of time, just fresh, clean what cut a fresh disc, put some cool water on it. Um, you know, if you show up to a lot and you see all the trees sitting in the sun, uh, you know, you're probably going to see a little more uh, needle loss and get your trees drying up quicker than you would if you uh, if you go to a to a retailer um, who's who's really taking care of the trees. Um, the folks at, at the at the choosing cut farms do a um, you know have done an outstanding job. Unfortunately, we're we're sort of shrinking in numbers of, of farms that that offer choosing cut these days. Uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the growers who started choosing cut in the '80s are, are sort of aging out. You know they're they're just you know at, at a point in their lives where it's time to to, uh, to uh, sit and enjoy life because because raising Christmas trees is a lot of work. It's a lot more work than uh, than I think a lot of people realize. And that's kind of the last question I wanted to ask you. Uh, somebody has that tree and it's decorated in their house. How much work has gone in uh, from a time that it was planted? 
how it was maintained to, to get it to the point where it was cut, harvested, and, and, and sent into someone's home. How long of a process is that? Uh, most trees or seedlings that go into the field that are first planted into an empty field um, are anywhere from three to five years old the, when they first go in the ground. Then it takes them another probably six to seven years to get to a size, you know, before it's cut. So, you know, you're talking about a 12-year investment of time uh, just to get that tree, you know, uh, from from a seed into into your decorated house. Um, and, you know, within that time period, you know, trees are, uh, uh, trees are fertilized typically uh, once, sometimes twice per year. Um, each tree is visited probably individually. In, every individual tree that you see planted on the mountains and hillsides here is individually visited probably two to three times per year. So, you know, two to three times per year over the seven to eight year period that it's in the ground, you know, those trees have gotten a lot of care. Each year the trees have to be sheared to, you know, everyone likes that nice pyramid shape of a tree. Um, they have these, they're, they're called shearing knives, and it's, they really look like a, a, a really long butter knife, and it's sort of a, a short, lightweight machete that the growers and their, and their workers will pass through and, and trim the edges off to keep that, uh, to keep that shape. Um, there are a number of pests that affect, uh, affect Christmas trees, and, and people always call and, and, and get a little worried about, oh, what kind of pesticide, what, you know, how... How harsh are the pesticides or the chemicals? And actually, the Christmas tree industry has reduced their herbicide and, and insecticide uh, spraying uh, by more than 50% over the last uh, last 15 years. Um, uh, you know, what, what my office does at the Extension office, um, we help scout the insect pests that might might be uh, affecting the trees. And there's thresholds to, you know, to spray or not to spray. You know, that is the question. Um, trees typically get sprayed maybe uh, once once a year, which when you think in the scheme of, uh, of, of crops that you actually consume, uh, they, they, they really don't, don't receive a lot of chemicals. So, you know, I, we get a lot of questions from people who want an organic tree. Uh, you're welcome to try and find an organic tree. It's not going to be the, the, the prettiest tree. If you are coming up for Choose and Cut this weekend, very important to check out the various websites uh, just to make sure that your favorite lot is still open and selling trees. Uh, several of the smaller uh, operations in the area uh, have shut down due to the fact that they've just simply uh, sold all of their available inventory this year. But then there are some that are still rolling along quite well. And, uh, and still have plenty of trees for the taking. So just make sure you do a little bit of website research and uh, and make sure that your, again, favorite uh, choosing cut lot is still open and ready for business this weekend. For those of you headed to the high country this weekend, perhaps you're coming up for an extended stay, getting that Christmas tree, uh, getting some snow skiing in, perhaps finishing up that holiday shopping. If you are here during the week, remember that the Jones House Gallery is open uh, at noon Tuesday through Friday during the week. So if you're uh, downtown shopping, maybe uh, uh, eating lunch or dinner at one of the various restaurants, make sure that you swing through the Jones House Gallery. Uh, they've got a best of uh, set up there, kind of best of the works of the year uh, in the galleries right now. So uh, an excellent chance to kind of catch up on what you may have missed throughout this uh, 2016 calendar year. Of course, the Jones House, one of the community's epicenters for music and two great events to tell you about. One of those takes place Friday night. It's the final installment of the 2016 
indoor concert series with Chuck Brodsky. He is the featured guest. As we told you last week on the podcast, Chuck Brodsky has long been uh, kind of associated with the game of baseball, but uh, just a great musical act uh, all the way around. Tickets $20 per person for Friday night. Remember, there is a 40-seat limit in the venue, so you may want to call ahead to the Jones House, reserve those seats. Doors open at 7. The concert begins at 7.30. If you would like to go ahead and get your tickets, contact Mark Freed at the Jones House, and you can do so by calling 828-268-6280. Now, another musical event to tell you about that comes up one week from this Sunday. This is December 18th, 4 o'clock at the Jones House Cultural and Community Center. Strictly Strings, a dynamic young acoustic outfit, will release its debut recording. And we've talked about Strictly Strings on this podcast throughout the course of the year. They've played at various events. Uh, They're made up, again, of a group that has really grown from the Jones House musical offerings, the lessons, the jam session. Great example of what music education can do for those that have the opportunity to really kind of latch on to a particular instrument or genre and take that talent and uh, maximize it to the full ability. So check out Strictly Strings, their debut recording release, Sunday, December 18th at the Jones House, 4 o'clock. More information available at joneshouse.org. So again, another full weekend here in the high country. We know a lot of you traveling around, uh, trying to get, again, some of that holiday shopping done, trying to take advantage of the winter spirit. And boy, there is no better place to do that right now than in Boone, North Carolina and the high country of North Carolina. So we thank you for making your plans to join us. And we uh, certainly hope that you have a great time here getting one of those last vacations in perhaps. Or maybe if you're local, just kind of getting out and about in the area and experiencing everything that the high country means to us all at this time of year. That'll do it for this installment of What's Up in Boone. You can check us out on social media, facebook.com slash what's up in Boone. We're on Twitter, our handle You guessed it, What's Up in Boone. And as always, you can leave us a comment at the joneshouse.org website by clicking on the Contact Us link and leaving a comment, maybe letting us know where you're listening from or perhaps a topic that you would like covered on the show. We We are all ears here on this podcast. We wish all of you a safe and happy holiday season, and we will join you right back here again next week. I'm David Jackson. Enjoy Boone, everybody.